Liran Hirschkorn here, your host of the E-Commerce Mindset Podcast. And in this episode, I talked to Patrick O'Connell, who is Chief Strategy Officer at Branded. If you're not familiar with Branded, Branded is uh, one of the leading uh, Amazon FBA aggregators in the space. They do things differently. So um, I have them uh, on the podcast to talk about what they look for in acquisitions, um, and how they see the space evolving. And I think whether you're looking to exit your business or not, you'll gain insights into how to think about your business for 2022 and beyond. The podcast is sponsored by 8fig. 8fig.co is your growth capital partner. 8fig offers supply chain planning tools along with funding for your business um, and the growth capital you need to grow your business for 2022 and beyond. Um, There's uh, a unique offering in how 8fig does things very much tailored to e-commerce. So if you are looking for capital to grow your business for 2022, uh, check out 8fig.co. The podcast is also sponsored by Incrementum Digital. IncrementumDigital.com is my uh, Amazon-focused agency where our mission is to be a growth engine for brands to scale their business uh, on Amazon in 2022. Uh, Check out IncrementumDigital.com or email hello at IncrementumDigital to find out more about our services. Enjoy this podcast episode with Patrick O'Connell of Branded. Okay, so today on the show, we have Patrick O'Connell. Patrick is the Chief Strategy Officer at uh, Branded, which is in uh, what you would call in the class of Amazon uh, aggregators uh, that are buying e-commerce uh, brands. Uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the company's strategy and some insights um, that uh, Branded and Patrick can add that, that would be valuable to you. Um, Patrick, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thank you. And hello, everyone. Uh, great. Um, so um, glad to be here. I kind of want to start off with um, we had a little bit of a, a, a discussion before uh, before hitting the, the record button. Um, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, branded. Um, and, you know, I think there's this um, perception from the seller community that, you know, there's there's this you know terminology and term right like oh it's an amazon aggregator which almost sounds like a commodity in a sense like you know all aggregators are kind of similar um but i actually personally found out that it's not exactly the case um actually just in the last week um sent uh sent you guys an email with one of my clients who is looking to to exit um and the response that i got back was oh no we're not going in this particular product category it's a little bit too you know commodity kind of kind of base so it's interesting to understand sort of like what is the um you know what is what is your philosophy in terms of what you look to acquire and and why sure so we're called branded for a reason you know we're focused on on brands um you know primarily because you know it's our belief that over uh, a long period of time that's the best way to create sustainable value Right. A lot of ink has been spilled around how much capital's flowed into the sort of the Amazon ecosystem over the course of the last uh, year or two. And mm-hmm. all that capital is chasing returns. And in our view is in order to get returns, uh, you need to have you need to have IP and IP in consumer products exists in the form of brands and brand equity that lives in the mind of consumers. And so that's where our focus is. And 
personally, I come from a background um, in the media space. And we have a saying in media that sort of content is king. And mm -hmm. I think the analog here in consumer products is, you know, brands are king. And so True North for us, obviously, you need to have an amazing product uh, at a fantastic price. Uh, but wrapped around that is a brand that allows you to sort of extend that product in the mind of the consumers, extend it across channels, uh, extend other products within that sort of brand umbrella, et cetera. And so that's been our orientation from the very, the very beginning. And it really animates how we approach the market in terms of the categories that we're in, in terms of the, the businesses that we look to partner with, in terms of um, you know, how we look to grow the brands as well. So uh, that's kind of a jumping off point. That was mm -hmm. the jumping off point for us. So a little bit different than some of the others out there. Yeah. Right. Um, and um, I think what's, what will be interesting to know is like, you know, I'm sure you get um, a significant amount of sort of inbound activity, um, probably on a daily, weekly basis. Um, I imagine either either brands that are or, or sellers that are sort of going to say, hey, I'm going to kind of run my own deal. I'm not going to go through an M&A advisor. I'm just going to email, you know, every single aggregator <laughs> there is on a, on a list that I that I can find over, you know, on like Marketplace Pulse or, or somewhere. And I'm just going to email every single one. Um, or I'm sure you probably see deals from, from you know, M&A firms as, as well. Like, what would you say, like, for every brand you buy, I mean, how many deals, how many, how many brands are you guys like looking at? <laughs> it's it's a great question. You're right. There's a there's a ton of flow out there. They come from uh, all the channels you mentioned. You know, brokers, people kind of bootstrapping their own sell side process, mm -hmm. um, and, and and whatnot. We also you know outreach to a lot of folks. Um, mm -hmm. the, the reality is across all of that flow, the yield is low. Um, you know, and mostly mm -hmm. from our perspective because the bar is high. And so I was actually doing a presentation internally. Uh, today across the company. And the stat that I mentioned was of everything that we see, we only actually transact on 3% of it. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very, very high bar and it's a very, very sort of low quote unquote yield. But, but right. if you want to pack that and you talk about the channels that you mentioned right there, the channel that's most valuable to us and where we find uh, you know kind of most of our transactions is away from the brokers and and whatnot. It's it's usually sort of word of mouth. Uh, we have mm -hmm. a, a number of affiliates who kind of they kind of know who we are. They know our ethos. They know what we're looking for. And so so there's been kind of an or organic kind of groundswell of people who sometimes show up on our door and or when we have an initial conversation with them, they say, "Gosh, this is interesting. You're not just going to pay me and I go away. Your your model is a little bit different, which is you pay me up front. I can stay on the platform." I've got the joystick. I can drive the brand. I've got confidence in myself, in the brand, et cetera. I need maybe some capital, some other resources, what have you. I get to de-risk. And so that mm -hmm. conversation becomes very, very different than you know, something standard where it's here's your money and here's a bit of an earn out. And then they're off and oftentimes kind of you know, kind of launching a, a new brand in an entirely separate category. And so we do look for that sort of special spark in entrepreneurs that bring something like really unique, right? Like a product tech, you know, kind of mentality. Um, kind of branding, et cetera. Um, so, so yeah, so long-winded answer on kind of the channel uh, question, um, but the net, yep. net is lots of flow, but certain channels are better than others. Right. No, absolutely. It, make, it, makes, uh, it makes sense. And I, I imagine also the brands you're doing direct outreach to are more in line with what, what you're looking for um, also. So it's an interesting, interesting model because uh, yes, a lot of the uh, sort of aggregator companies out there, and I guess it like, you said it has to be the right fit for the for the right 
um, entrepreneur. A lot others I know, let's say Thrashio, they have, you know, 2,000 people on their team. When somebody sells to them, generally, um, generally they don't stay on board. They sell and kind of can go away pretty quickly. And if somebody mm-hmm. wants that, you know, there's lots of aggregators out there. Your model is more let's keep the entrepreneur on board. Let's help them, you know, continue to build. And I, I imagine there are incentives in place for additional growth and success. Um, and it sounds to me like a really smart strategy because um, I was just talking with somebody uh, about this yesterday and they said, you know, one of the biggest challenges for uh an aggregator is that the company acquiring that is now handing off that brand to, you know, a brand manager on the team that how does that brand manager have the same fire as the entrepreneur who, you know, was up until 2 AM kind of building the brand, especially a lot of sellers kind of bootstrapped and did Mm -hmm. a lot of things on their own. And the challenge of now to operate that brand with, you know, um, somebody who doesn't necessarily have that same fire must be, must be challenging in a sense you're solving for some of that or for a lot for all of that by keeping keeping the entrepreneur on board and i i think especially also on the creative side um right like coming up with the ideas for additional products and growth uh you still have that person on the team exactly yeah you you nailed it i mean a lot of the ip that we think we're buying is not just uh, embedded in the product and the brand, but it's in the brain of the entrepreneur, right? And so it would be crazy to let them go because they've got uh, usually a, a ton of expertise. You know, they're Amazon ninjas uh, for the most part. Uh, they can teach us a, a thing or two for sure. Uh, you know, clearly we're trying to institutionalize a lot of that as we go. Um, mm-hmm. It's also important that, you know, we plug them into a company of branded, which is entrepreneurial in and of itself, just very scrappy. So right. the, the founders of Branded are, are sort of serial entrepreneurs and bring to the table the capability to really scale businesses. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. founders, you know, here uh, formerly started a business called Lazada, which I'm sure all of your listeners are well aware of. But for those that are, that are not, mm-hmm. this was a, you know, a multi-billion dollar uh, kind of e-commerce platform in Southeast Asia that they exited to Alibaba for about, I think they sold it for $3 billion back in, in 2017. So just a lot of marketplace expertise um, mm-hmm. but we recognized early on that it was going to be critical that we sort of graft onto that, you know, the, the kind of the, the Amazon uh, kind of ninja slash kind of hack type mentality. And like you said, no one's going to sweat the brand like the owner. Right. And so, right. you know, leaving, leaving the owner with significant upside, not just a, you know, a modicum of earnout, uh, we think is, we think is it aligns our interests, um, which mm-hmm. we think is valuable, but also, you know, allows us to kind of learn from each other in many regards too. Right. Absolutely. So I, I don't know if you can, let's say, get into like some of the details of, you know, what does that kind of look like? I mean, does the owner say keep, you know, a small or a certain amount of equity in the business or are they incentivize just like on a bonus money structure, you know, based on, you know, future future growth or, um, you know, is there is there is there a deal structure where owners, you know, say, okay, I'm going to keep 10% and then, you know, in two years I can sell you that 10%. Um, and obviously that 10% should be worth more. Um, let's say two years, two years, uh, you know, down the line, if, if there's greater EBITDA in the, in the business, um, like what, what is, what is the opportunity, let's say for, you know, a lot of sellers that, yeah, they're, they're likely not retiring when they're selling, 
um, especially within the age range of kind of like Amazon sellers, you know, a lot of them are mm-hmm. right tw- in that 25 to 45 range or not, not ready to, to retire necessarily. And a lot of, a lot of sellers will go and just build another brand. So maybe the alternative is instead of going to just build another brand, it's let me take this brand from, you know, a million EBITDA to 10 million EBITDA um, and do it, you know, do it uh, while staying on board. So that, like, is there sort of, can you say like almost like more upside in going through that process with capital behind you? Uh, the The answer is yes. Um, the answer is also that it's a bit proprietary. So there's a bit of a special sauce ah, here. I would say it okay. feels like from the seller's perspective that they've got equity in the business. They don't technically, but it, it'll feel like it right. from an economic perspective. And so it gives them a, the ability to essentially get paid twice. Um, right. Uh, you know, once on the front end and once on, on the back end. And that, that is, that is going to be meaningful uh, over time. And obviously, you know, we're bringing resources to the table as well. And so, right. but it winds up what's, what's funny is that it, we wind up having these conversations and it, for certain people, this, this doesn't make sense for a variety of reasons, but others, others, um, and they sort of self-select into this category, like really see the, the value in it. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, that's kind of where the meeting of the minds uh, is so we're super excited to have a number of just absolutely incredible entrepreneurs on on our platform. Right. Yeah, and I imagine that there is a halo effect um, as well um, in in terms of I just sold you my brand that did you know five ten million dollars in revenue, and I I'm now a resource within the company. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. If if you reach out to me and say, hey, uh, Liron, by the way, we have this other brand. There's kind of like an issue here. What do you think? Right. Like I'm part of the team, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be contributing. And there's sort of, uh, you know, a one plus one equals three. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine I imagine almost a mastermind among the original founders that now kind of gets developed along with the company. And like you said, the business scaling aspect of it that um, I think can be very, uh, very powerful, I'm sure. I, or I'd imagine that you're that you're leveraging that right that 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 super that everyone has their own zone of genius and that you can kind of use use the benefit of that across all the brands. A hundred percent, yeah. And when we talk to sellers, when I talk to sellers, and we're you know they're sort of maybe shopping their business, they're talking to a couple of folks, they've heard good things about one or two or three, uh, you know, kind of uh, potential acquirers in the space. What I always tell them is talk to as many people in the organization as possible. Don't just talk to the front end. Uh, you know, typically in a lot of these shops, it's, you know, a fairly sort of junior person on the acquisition side um, that isn't necessarily an operator, but talk to right. the brand manager. Like who who sits behind this? You know, who, you know, who runs their social media? How are they, you know, how, how are they stacked kind of behind that initial kind of acquisition wall? And and what you'll what you'll find at branded is we have absolutely world-class people. And so I will put, you know, a brand manager who had a 15 year career at, at, uh, you know, Procter and Gamble or Gillette in front of sellers that we're talking to. And all of a sudden that conversation shifts from being a financial conversation about how much you're going to pay me for my business to a strategic conversation around, mm-hmm. here's my vision, you know, as the brand manager as to where I'm taking this category, uh, over the next two, three years. And oh, by the way, I've got a couple other brands already in the in, in the mix here, we actually see some synergies uh, with some of the products, uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so that conversation feels very different than a conversation where you're just talking about kind of 
kind of dollars up front. And, um, and so that appeals to, to a subset of folks. And uh, those are the folks that we're really kind of keen on, on targeting. And, and is the, is, is part of the strategy generally to take, let's say brands that were, you know, maybe mostly or all Amazon focused and be able to turn them into like omni-channel brands. I, I, you know, I see you don't necessarily uh, shy away from that. You know, um, I, I thought I saw that you, you acquired your uh, Puracy, which is in, uh, mm-hmm. in, in retail already. Um, also recently acquired um, Fresh Heritage. And, and I saw uh, like a very, um, you know, the, the entrepreneur behind it is a lot kind of like the, the face and, um, you know, has, has stayed on. So is the general thesis, you know, is to buy brand, is to buy brands or what I would say potential to be real brands and not just Amazon products and then mm-hmm. be able to, to leverage them across multiple channels and, and maybe de-risk a little bit of the Amazon only approach. Uh, in a word, yes, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, obviously, we we're an e-commerce operator, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, but at the same time, you know, have a have an omni-channel perspective. And so, today our revenues are ninety percent plus Amazon, but we've got other mm-hmm. channels that you mentioned. And and being sort of brand focused, obviously, we have ambitions for some of the the current brands in the portfolio that we think can can live kind of outside the Amazon ecosystem. You know, people are kind of searching them. We can see that. Um, you know, we happen to invest in categories that are, that are sort of kind of fueled and animated by social media. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, so there's that you do have that opportunity, that sort of call option, uh, around some of these, the brands to do that. Um, you know, but at the same time, we're going to be cautious, you know, the D2C waters can be, can be choppy. Uh, Mm Um, economics of that business, uh, are being kind of reset now by Apple and what it's, what it's doing on the. Mm-hmm. on the privacy side so we're eyes wide open on that but it's 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 absolutely a massive opportunity um but i think the the watchword is kind of proceed with caution today um mm-hmm. on the on the on the brick and mortar side absolutely uh we think that's a very interesting channel you know ultimately you want to be where your customers are right and so right. uh that doesn't mean everything that you own on amazon uh you necessarily have an ambition to get onto a store shelf but for those sort of really amazing brands you mentioned Purity is one of them what's kind of the ones we're the most one of the ones we're the most proud of um you know they were in uh target at the time we uh made the investment uh but we've since sort of expanded that relationship to a couple other retailers uh and so so yes for the for the right brands uh they should absolutely exist in um in brick and mortar and we're finding in some of the conversations frankly with uh, with our retail partners uh, that sort of the social proof points of having an amazing Amazon brand carry some currency in those in those meetings and with mm-hmm. consumers because obviously consumers are shopping with with their phones and so right. uh, and so it, it it behooves the likes of of Target, Walmart, etc. to pay attention to that. Right, I'm standing at Target. I'm checking the reviews on Amazon um, and price shopping it too. But but mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm check I'm checking the reviews on Amazon and yeah review, you know I see a product with. 5,000 reviews, four and a half stars. That's going to make, you know, that's going to uh, impact my buying decisions, you know, standing at the, at the aisle at, uh, at uh, Target. So, I mean, from your perspective, what are the things that, you know, sellers, maybe, maybe ones that have, um, you know, started their brand, let's say in 2020, 2021 on Amazon, 
how can or what what are the things they should be thinking about to position themselves from okay you know i started out and i kind of like chose a product and i put it on amazon but uh i want to be in, in a position to build a brand and in my opinion i think that's where amazon sellers need to kind of shift their mindset going forward um mm-hmm. you know as amazon.com especially gets more competitive and as um cost per click increases the, the stronger brand that you have the more the less you know people are just comparing your reviews and price to, to the next to the next guy so like what are what are the things that you know um you would recommend and and at the same time is branded also looking at that is branded looking to launch its own or will the or will the um strategy be only to acquire uh, two great questions. So I'll start with um, kind of the product side and sort of uh, some some advice if I could sort of uh, sort of give it to sellers. And I'm not necessarily positioned to sort of kind of you know giving advice, but I can talk about sort of what our orientation <laughs> is, and people can people can copy or not. Um, so I don't want to be too uh, <laughs> too forward. No, but I mean you have you have you come from a different you know perspective. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. So from so the way we think about the world is you need. We don't want to be the you know the tenth person selling a a, a product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know there may be a margin in that, and it may be you know you may cover your cost of capital, uh, but it's 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 a tough fight, and it's maybe not sustainable over very long periods of time. So fundamentally, you want to be selling a different product, therefore not competing on price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess I guess the punchline there would be sort of be different. Um, and the beauty of Amazon, and and frankly the beauty of this new model where you know, traditional uh, CPG companies and retailers, you know, kind of struggle a little bit is that we're in a digital world where it's a two-way street between consumers and brands now. Uh, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of terms for it, whether it's social listening or what have you, but just read reviews, read read your reviews, read the reviews on the other products. That's, that's the hack, right? You've got to be listening to what consumers are sort of thinking, asking for almost before the product's been developed, you're serving them something that is a reflection of what you're, what you're learning in the marketplace. That data didn't used to be available or it used to be very expensive to hire a firm to survey and do, you know, customer research, et cetera. All the research is out there. It's online. You can find it. Um, so to build a brand, you've got to be, the product's got to be different and you kind of start there and then, and then building a brand around it. Um, easier said than done. Obviously it's a little bit harder on Amazon, given the fact that they do try to, um, you know, kind of wall you off from the, from the customer in some ways. Um, Mm -hmm. but having, you know, having, having an ethos to the product, right. You know, having the, it could be a founder story. It could be sort of the kind of the reason someone, you know, got into this category of product. They invented this new, you know, whatever it is, um, or they're super serving a particular audience and kind of lean into that differentiation because you'll find, you know, you'll find a more rabid, you know, market, even if it's a little bit smaller, and then you can kind of having that sort of brand ethos being built, you can then go a little bit horizontally with other products within that, within that universe. So, so it's, it's really hard though. It's really hard. I'm not making it, I'm, I'm making it sound easy, but it's, it's really right. hard. Um, right. So I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, disabuse anyone of the fact that like, you know, we struggle with it, everyone struggles with it, but it's, it's ultimately boils down to an amazing, you know, product that's different and, and super serving that, that consumer. So it's kind of basics. Right. Right. And yes, of course, it's it's challenging because, you know, if you don't have IP, right, then, you know, you're going to get competitors uh, copying you. Um, but, you know, the the 
if you do come up with something like that, then, you know, the faster you go early is, is, is also helpful. But um, I agree, you know, I think you need to focus a tremendous amount on the product side. And I think too many sellers like over overlook that and iterate and, and change and improve. Um, and yes, reading, reading, reading the consumer feedback on, on reviews and like, you know, developing a solution as opposed to just, you know, the, the most common thing I've heard over the years on sellers who have struggled is, you know, found a product opportunity. It took me, you know, three months between, you know, idea and getting that product into Amazon. And now there's 20 more competitors because Mm -hmm. we're all sort of utilizing similar tools to find, you know, um, to, to find the data, but not doing enough to kind of develop a brand and build. And I've always found that if, um, like if you get the product side right, everything else becomes so much easier. But it's a huge uphill battle that you ultimately can't uh, can't get out of if uh, you know if if you don't get the product side right. Like nothing else, nothing else really uh, really works. So you know, I think that's why you know it is it is uh, it is uh, you know uh, challenging. Um, yeah. So so I, what- actually, I'll I'll jump in and say yeah. I. Th- what's you know happening i see you know again as a kind of an old kind of media hand here i see parallels Mm -hmm. but you know there's a lot of talk about the creator economy and there's a whole generation of people coming up that have you know they make their living Mm -hmm. developing content right kind of user generated content it sits on Mm -hmm. various platforms they can monetize it in sort of various ways and more ways over time and some of those ways include e-commerce now too which is sort of fascinating Mm -hmm. but what's happening what's happened in media in terms of you know, sort of the digital penetration um, over time is now just happening on the on the CPG side. And so it's it's at lower levels, right? It's, you know, 20, 30%, depending on the category you look at. But the reality is the market is going to reward creators, right? And creators, by definition, are creative. And so you're bringing something, something mm-hmm. new to the market. And I think those are, those are the people that we that we sort of seek out. Um, and they're going to have, I think, amazing opportunities going forward here, because Amazon, you know, has has thrown the door wide open for people to reach just obviously sort of massive, massive, you know, audiences right. and, and 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 consumers. So so that's that's kind of where we see value in the value chain and why we're trying to pivot our company in that direction. Right, and you know, I think one of the best opportunities um, today, if I'm if I'm uh, somebody that is you know very knowledgeable in the Amazon space and understand it and understand you know how the rankings work and and the advertising and and SEO and, and, you know, the, the, how to, how to deal with the challenges that come from just managing an Amazon account, then, you know, I'm going to go reach out to a bunch of creators and see if I can, um, if, if I could partner with them um, on a product because you're, you're getting into a built-in audience and, you know, they're handling the audience side and you're handling, you know, supply chain sourcing and uh, kind of the, the marketing, um, you know, the, the marketing side. And I think that's an like an amazing opportunity going forward that um, again, you know, it takes some work and creativity to do that, but uh, it's a huge, huge opportunity uh, in terms of, um, you know, working to working together with, uh, you know, with, with creators that have an audience, many of which do not have their own products, but Mm -hmm. would probably love to, but it's just not their, you know, not their focus or zone of genius, I guess. Right. Um, so I think presents a huge, huge opportunity for partnerships, um, you know, going forward. Um, what's, what's your perspective in terms of just like, you know, for Amazon sellers out there on like what's happening currently 
with, you know, valuations. Um, also, like, you know, just to understand kind of like what are the minimums? Let's say, you know, so you're looking for brands. Are you looking for certain size, um, size brands like or certain certain revenue or, or EBITDA numbers? Um, and what are you seeing happening with valuations and and sort of a, a additional loaded question of um, of what happens 18 months from now? I can't imagine that there will be 60 plus, let's say, aggregators, you know, 18 to 24 months from now that not everyone will, will um, either either be as successful as they want to be, or maybe some might exit to other aggregators. Um, where do you think kind of like what's happened in valuations this year and like mm -hmm. where are things, where are things going and what do you guys look for? Yeah. Um, so a bunch to unpack there. So I'll start with, uh, with the valuation question. I would say, um, you know, I've certainly, certainly witnessed it. Uh, I've certainly read a lot about it. Um, it's obviously uh, hot on everyone's lips. I would say, we haven't fully participated in it, uh, you know. You know, maybe harking back to some of my prior comments around kind of how we, you know, what we look for, how we structured, uh, you know, how we structure our partnerships mm -hmm. with these various uh, kind of creators or entrepreneurs. Um, so, in that regard, you know, the conversations feel a bit different. So it's it's mm -hmm. it's a little bit maybe impacts us less than others, um, mm -hmm. but also recognize that those those numbers are coming off a very low base too, right? So. Um, it feels like the market will reach equilibrium if it hasn't, if it mm -hmm. hasn't already, um, which kind of leads into your, into your next question about sort of forecasting the future, which is always incredibly dangerous. But, um, you know, I think you can, you can, you can point at some existing trends, which is, I think we're in the early days of the Amazon market being, uh, continue to evolve. Um, I don't, I don't know if the word professionalized is, is the right way, but, you know, kind of consolidated mm -hmm. in some ways. Right. And it's just you know, additional kind of scale and resources, uh, you know, being brought to the market, it's going to make the market more competitive um, mm -hmm. fundamentally. And I think that's, that's an Amazon's interest. Um, and I think it is because obviously Amazon spends a lot of, uh, you know, kind of revenue and, and, and profits out of the marketplace. It's a great mm -hmm. business. For them. Uh, in turn, it does, you know, kind of well by, by entrepreneurs at, at the same time. Um, but the reality is having a competitive market for Amazon benefits consumers. Right, because you've got right. more people competing to deliver amazing products at great value, right? And that's kind of true north for for Amazon. And so I think there's a lot of alignment there. So net net, what am I saying? I think it's going to become more competitive. I think over even the next six to twelve months, you know, even uh, stopping short of an exogenous event, um, which I'm also always fearful of, um, mm -hmm. help, just naturally paranoid. But I I, I think you'll see a dispersion you know, across the land of kind of quote aggregators, uh, you know, because the ones who are truly are aggregators and it effectively aren't, aren't sort of adding value to the system, I think will, will likely struggle. I think capital will dry up for them. Uh, other, others may hit air pockets in terms of, you know, supply chain or other things mm -hmm. that they're not fully capitalized uh, for. Uh, I think one of the things that is missing in some of the charts that you see around all the capital that's being raised is that, uh, I haven't seen a chart yet that that breaks out sort of how much of that is debt versus equity. Um, mm -hmm. you know, people people should be mi mindful of that. Even sellers when they're talking to, you know, uh, a potential buyer or sorry, a potential uh, yeah buyer, mm -hmm. um, ask you know don't don't ask how much capital they've raised. <laughs> ask them how much equity they've raised. <laughs> that'll that'll right. tell you more about their their sustainability. Uh, you know, through potentially you know turbulent waters. 
So, um, so yeah, I think it'll become a little bit more professional. It will obviously become more competitive. And I think like dispersion amongst the aggregators by, by sort of, by just sheer performance uh, on one hand, but also by reputation. I think you'll find that, you know, people will sort of, because right now I feel in the mind of sellers, the aggregators or buyer community is sort of an amorphous blog it's, or blob. They're all kind of gray, right? I think you'll see kind of more colors emerge in, um, in, in 22 as people's reputations begin to crystallize a little bit. Right. That, that, um, that all makes sense. And, and I mean, do you think that, well, and my, my understanding is to, to what you're saying is that when, when an aggregator out there comes out and says, you know, they've raised, you know, a hundred million dollars that yeah, generally 90% of that is like debt. Right. And like a much smaller percentage of that is like, is, uh, is, is on the equity side. And, the concern from a seller's standpoint is um, the debt is not necessarily cheap. Like from what I understand, rates are not like low or they're, they're, you know, 10% or more even from, uh, again, uh, this is just a combination of speculation and maybe hearsay, but um, that the rates are not necessarily low and yet that may cause problems as, you know, people experience some hiccups uh in the in the business and i mean do you think that's a fair question and and an, an aggregator should be giving those responses to somebody looking to sell to them uh i think it's i think it's one of many questions that sellers should be asking aggregators um you know i think it's reasonable to ask people how they're capitalized um and i as i tell sellers i said you know don't just talk to the to the young kid on the acquisitions team, you know, talk, talk, mm-hmm. talk to an operator, talk to, you know, talk to people inside. Um, you know, a lot of these firms are reasonably small. Uh, mm-hmm. You should have access to the, to the senior leadership in some cases, like right. talk to the CEO, the president, what have you, um, you know, look at their profiles, you know, what have they done? Um, you know, there's the, there's a lot of newness in this industry, but you can still measure people by their, their prior track records. Right. Um, and so do, do a bit of reverse due diligence. I think that's, uh, I, I don't see enough of that, frankly, in the, in the, in the market. And I think, right. Think get, get surprised sometimes. And, and that's a concern because you have an earnout and you want to have the best chance of getting paid that earnout. I think, yes, I think there's a financial aspect to it. Uh, I think there's also a, you know, depending on the entrepreneur, you know, you want someone to, kind of curate and husband and grow and, and sort of steward your brand uh, and your product. Mm-hmm. And what's more fun than, you know, ultimately seeing a product you developed, you know, on a store shelf and you can show your you right. know, or daughter or grandson or granddaughter, like, you know, I did that. Right. Like that was me. Um, right. That's, that's really neat. Um, and, um, and so I think again, it's 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 more it's 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 financial, but there's sort of a value alignment too. Uh, I think that's an important part of the equation, at least for a lot of the people that that we talk to. Right. Okay. Yes. Makes makes uh makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as um, you know, some of the levers you know, uh, branded is using. You know, you're buying a brand. It was developed by a great entrepreneur. Um, is the growth strategy around, is it mostly focused on optimizing existing products? Is there a big focus on grow, you know, adding new products to the brand? One of the things that I've seen from a good amount of the aggregators is a lot of them are uh, 
very focused on just optimizing and haven't launched really much in terms of new products at all um, mm-hmm. and don't really don't really know and understand that process very much because it's not the core aspect that they've been working on. Um, and then I, I've seen a couple that are putting more people in place in terms of, you know, product development, mm-hmm. um, design and, and development. W- w- what is your um, sort of thought process on, okay, I want to optimize the brand. Is, is the first thing I'm doing, you know, taking that brand from, you know, uh, U.S. to 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 the European marketplace, or is the first thing I'm doing adding new products, or is it very just dependent on kind of like the situation? Or... Yeah, um, great question. So uh, it's definitely brand dependent. And to answer a question you asked previously around sort of do we, you know, yes. do we launch product? Um, and I'll pivot to sort of you know kind of how we think about optimizing a brand that we bought. I can give you some examples, but but absolutely, that's that's one of the things that makes us quite different there's we have a team of 40 people internally that do nothing but launch product mm-hmm. um you know it's one of our core competencies and we'll uh next year launch somewhere between four and 500 uh new products across wow. brands, brands that we own already um and in some cases we're launching new new brands themselves mm-hmm. uh so this is this is something we spend uh, a, a lot of time focused on uh we think it's a fantastic use of capital so that that um, that is very important to us. Um, but pivoting to sort of the the levers that you, we would pull in acquiring a brand, there's 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 typically not always, but typically going to be you know some optimization on the on the upfront, right? Um, I would say in a lot of cases, you know, the companies or the brands that we're buying are pretty well optimized. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so so that stump function you know may not be as high as it, it is in in certain other cases, maybe across the mm-hmm. industry. Um, but to us. That's that's table stakes, I think. Um, you know, when there's unless you're continuing to sort of kind of innovate and grow from there, like where where does it, where does the growth come from, right? That that's just one step function. Right. After, uh, you need to sort of pull other levers, and so uh, in the case of Puracy, uh, which we acquired early this year, by the way, shout out to Sean Bush, who's an absolutely incredible uh, entrepreneur. Uh, you should definitely have him on the program. By the way, he's got just you know. A ton of Amazon hacks and would be would be great. But anyway, um, okay. <laughs> uh, you know there there wasn't like a ton to optimize there. Like he's you know he's an right. Amazon guru, right? Um, but what we but what we can do is to your point, we can we can we can certainly bring capital to the table and 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 accelerate product launch, um, which we've done. So that could be in the form of of new product formats. And so mm-hmm. you know we worked to optimize you know the the size and pricing of these new formats. So they were you know, optimized not just from a consumer price point perspective, but also, you know, kind of Amazon FBA uh, around the packaging and and everything mm-hmm. else. So uh, that's something we do. Uh, he had in place, you know, at the time we actually purchased it, uh, a kind of a rebrand effort. And so we put mm-hmm. our shoulder into that uh, to help that effort as well. Um, you know, we actually spent time even before we bought the company touring the, you know, touring the manufacturer. Um mm-hmm putting capital into there to, to really streamline those operations uh, in terms of um, line automation and other supply uh, things. So we're very operationally focused. Uh, we were able to get, I probably shouldn't say this, but you know, you know, additional five points of margin literally out of just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, that was an incredibly valuable for us to do. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier in the call, we were, you know, he was already in Target, but we've expanded into a couple other other retailers. 
Um, and so, you know, net net, you know, the, the, the brand is kind of going gangbusters, but it's, it's to answer your original question, it's kind of all of the above, but highly dependent on, on, on the company itself and the brand itself, right. In terms of where kind of where the, you know, the immediate kind of levers are. Right. Um, but definitely, you know, launching multiple hundreds of products are definitely focused on adding, uh, adding new products, which, you know, I think for Amazon sellers has always been the lifeblood lifeline of kind of growth, um, you know, and, um, you know, and, and makes, uh, makes a, a, a lot of sense, uh, to, to, to continue to, um, to do. Um, so I want to, uh, end off maybe on, um, you know, maybe some, um, predictions maybe for 2022, um, you know, what, uh, what, what should sellers, what should sellers be focused on, um, for those thinking about exiting, let's say mid 2022 after 2022, um, where should they kind of focus to be able to maximize their, you know, their, their exit value for the brand and, and, um, you know, any advice for kind of the sellers listening there to, you know, who've, who've started to grow an Amazon business. Maybe they've gone to, you know, one to 5 million in in revenue. They want to, they want to grow it and, and exit and, um, where their focus should kind of lean into, in the coming year mm-hmm. so i think you know my coming from from wall street you know having done this for for many many years you know i think sellers should take the mindset of uh, a private equity firm right they are always very keen yeah you know, they're bought in the business of buying and selling businesses right and so they mm-hmm. tend to be very savvy in terms of timing their exits and preparing the companies for exit and so mm-hmm. uh, you shouldn't wake up on january 1st and decide I think I'll sell my business because I just kind of feel like I'm tired of running it and sort of launch a process in, in February, right? Um, you know, this is, you, you should plan. This should, be, this should be part of a life plan where you decide, you know what, I think I can get the business to a certain level if you've got certain goals for it, what have you, or if you're hitting a wall in terms of what you think you're going to be able to do kind of alone or with the time that you have to manage it. Um, but you should really be looking out, uh, uh, you know, kind of, I would say three, six months at least you know, understanding the seasonality of your business, like what are the what are the holes uh, that that buyers are going to kind of poke in your in, in your P and L, um, mm-hmm. and 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 prepare a very comprehensive exit sort of plan, right? Obviously, you need your financials in order, um, but you know beyond that, putting the best kind of face on the business as possible. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, and this is where the art comes in, leave some room for the buyer. Right, mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to you don't want to make them think that there's not there's no upside left. Uh, I see a lot of I see a lot of pitch decks and other materials that you read them. You're like, wow, this business is perfectly managed. There's nothing for me to do here. <laughs> and so and so leave. You know, again, you got to be artful about it. It can't be something fundamentally flawed with the business. Um, but but point out, uh, you know, where where there's potential upside of the business or where you as an entrepreneur or as an operator just struggle. And sometimes admitting those pain points. Uh, can be really valuable because the person on the other side of the table can be thinking, well, I can do that and I can do that. Right. So you kind of want to, you kind of want to be, uh, you know, savvy about it. Yeah, absolutely. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I think this is something that sellers often think about, right? Like, do I go into Europe now, you know, before I sell the brand or, you know, like these decisions on, um, you know, should I go quickly try to optimize everything, you know, a month or two before I sell it? in terms of my content or everything, or yeah, should I leave that sort of opportunity, um, 
you know, for, um, you know, for, for the brand. So I, I think it's definitely something to think about and make sure you, you're positioned, you know, positioning the brand as having opportunity to grow further and also not wait until you've reached maybe like past your peak and on decline, you know, to, to sell the brand. So like you said, you know, I think the, the timing, um, is, um, is everything. Um, uh, Patrick, how do people get in touch with, with branded, uh, if they want, uh, you know, somebody on the team to look at their brand or have a conversation? Um, and also how far in advance, I mean, should somebody maybe have a conversation? Maybe I'm not looking to sell today, but I'm thinking, you know, end of June or end of 2022, I want to sell the brand. Like at which point does it make sense for them to come and kind of like have that conversation, uh, with, with the team? Uh, so we're in the conversation business. Uh, so anytime's a okay. good time, uh, we're happy to give people kind of a quick read, you know, here's what we like, here's what we see, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's, that's easy. Uh, people can come to the website. Uh, it's joinbranded.com, uh, for your listeners out there, if they can't, mm-hmm. can't find it on their own. Um, and, uh, you know, you can, you can sort of come through the website. Uh, you know, people can also feel free to reach out to me directly. Uh, my email is Patrick O'Connell, O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L, uh, at joinbranded.com uh, and can sort of put you in touch with the right folks internally uh, that can kind of give you uh, kind of give you a read. But um, uh, it's been great being on the show, Lyra, and really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for, for coming on. I think this was really um, helpful for sellers and, uh, yeah, wishing you uh, an amazing finish to uh, to to the twenty twenty one holiday season. Yep. Hope everyone has a great Q four. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a great suggestion for a guest, feel free to reach out to me on social media and let me know. If you have not given us a uh, review on. Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Would love it if you could do so. And I will see you on the next episode of the e-commerce mindset podcast.